KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Weeknights at 6 here on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and thanks for tuning in. And again, thank you for all your support during Radiothon. You can learn more about this community radio station at our website, krcl.org, where we also archive each and every edition of the show. Tonight, we're going to dig into Under the Banner of Heaven, the new FX series on Hulu that premiered last month and has Mormon Twitter all abuzz, not to mention editorial takes on whether or not the series accurately depicts today's Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Coming up, we're going to hear from Troy Williams and Lindsay Hansen-Park, who were consultants on the project. Lindsay, of course, is executive director of Sunstone Education Foundation. Troy used to have my job here at KRCL. He's now over at Equality Utah, but he spent the last two years working on this project with series creator Dustin Lance Black. Our red carpet correspondent, Autumn Thatcher, will be here to bring some of the interviews she taped when they were here in Salt Lake to show it show it for the first time, especially in Zion. And we'll have something from Andrew Garfield as well as Dustin Lance Black. At the heart of the series and the original book by John Krakauer is the murder of Brenda Lafferty and her 15-month-old daughter Erica on July 24th, 1984. <sighs> Binge watched it over the weekend, the first three episodes, and I'm telling you, I got some feelings about it. But we're going to start with some folks doing good and rolling through town with something called the Don't Count Me Out Tour. So joining me in studio, let's get the mics up and pass them along. We have Joseph P. Langdon, the underdogs coach, I understand. Yes, ma'am. And uh, the one who reached out to me today and said, hey, we're rolling through town. Do you got time for us? And I said, come on down. Pull that microphone up to you, yes, Joseph. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She showed us so much love. And she also told us that she has a commonality with us, F cancer. <laughs> Everywhere over the world, we're saying F cancer. We're traveling all around the world saying F cancer. I and agree the reason with that. why we say this, because white, black, brown, doesn't matter race, religion, mm -hmm. or whatever you're here yeah. to do in life. We all suffered from cancer one way or another. My grandma died from cancer, by the way, breast cancer. My mom. It's been a long time, yeah. but guess what? It still hurts. Mm. And there's some cancers that they're, are, they're so uncommon, there's little research, and that's uh, someone on your tour is dealing with that. Yes, you want to introduce us? This is our friend, our sister, the reason why everybody has came together from California, Kentucky, Ohio, Boston, Kansas City, Brooklyn, New York, West Virginia, Compton, Watson, the story goes on, right? Yeah. It's because we all have that same commonality. And she is the reason why we're doing this because before she got sick, mm -hmm. we didn't see her in a weak form. Yeah. Then when she got sick, we seen the reality of what can happen, somebody being taken away from you. Three times she almost lost her life. They told her to hang it up. Yeah. Shelly, Shelly Davis you know, is with us. <laughs> told her to hang it up. And we also have in the background a song by one of the artists that is going to be at Liquid Joe's with you on Thursday night. Yes, Rap Trap, this song, proud of you. It's yes. a boy. It's yeah. a Rap, Rap Trap. Trap. Yeah. What's this song about? It's in gardens, well, man. It, the song is basically about kids graduating and going through hard times. Me, 
the songs I had to build them up from kids that don't oh excuse me <clears throat> the song is basically about kids that go through hard times it don't matter where you're from what race or creed none of those things but when you go through hard times you don't have nobody to understand you but school is a home because you have a lot of friends there yeah you can eat there because some people don't you know what i mean yeah but it's basically i'm telling them i'm proud of you too because they're going to school they graduate through the hard times that they're facing and that gives them strength you know what i'm saying they yeah. give each other courage to be around one another and feel like they're special like they're someone at home you know yeah. i'm proud of you rat trap man yeah, i'm proud of them all Thanks. So, Shelly, you gave me this, this, well, you showed me, you didn't give it to me. I don't get to keep this, your Don't Count Me Out tour book. Open that up. And uh, what does this tour mean to you? Well, okay, so the Don't Count Me Out tour, by the way, I'm Shelly Davis, Shelly Shells Management. Um, and the Don't Count Me Out tour was something that I named because the whole time that, um, I don't want to cry. <laughs> the whole time I was in the hospital. Um my family. This is my yeah. family. These guys. You love music. And music, yeah. My acronym for music I copyrighted was uh, Man Understanding Soul Inspired Communication. And um, so music can actually heal. And, you know, the music got me through it. I watched these guys. We were, a lot of them, we were friends before. I got really bad. Everybody knew that I was sick. But, um, what kind of cancer? It's a myodysplastic syndrome. It's a rare blood cancer, and it can affect your platelets, your white blood cells, or your red blood cells, or one or two or three, and mine affects all three. You're fighting it still. So this yeah. Proud of You song, I think, applies to you as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then another artist on the tour is Criminal. Got a little summer Cali Breeze in the background from Criminal. What's this song about? There Lean on in, Criminal with the K. Going to be on the bill? This is all about your California lifestyle from car culture to... Just you know the the summer breeze to to urban culture to everything is just like a you know a whole conglomerate of the whole California feel. Yeah, so you're on this tour with yep. all these folks hitting a bunch of different places. How has it been? Uh, it's been it's been good. I mean, <laughs> road tours are always a little you know hiccupy and yeah. you have your different things, but it's it's been cool. Everybody we, in one van? Are you guys caravanning? Uh, we're kind of caravanning. <laughs> we kind of wish we had the one van, but yeah. <laughs> 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 but you know, and of course, this isn't my first tour. I've been on tours with like Milliman Ace. I Ooh. did Dub Tour, and I've done a lot of things besides this. So yeah. So Thursday night, Joseph, will you fill us in on the details at Liquid Joe's, which is up in the Mill Creek neighborhood of Salt Lake City? Yes, ma'am. Who's on the bill? A bunch of folks Every that are here. Every single one of these. Yeah. Men and women right here. Uh-huh. We have the beautiful, beautiful soul sister right here. You're trying to stream at the I'm same sorry. time, but you got to be on my mind. We have the beautiful <laughs> sister right here. She's going to tear the house down. She has a spiritual Her name? Uh, let her tell you herself. Tell Come her on. your name. She has a voice. My name is Nakaya Brooke. Yes, indeed. All right, Nakaya on the bill. Yes, from Louisville, Kentucky. Wait, what's it? I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm a singer-songwriter. Look me up. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Utah. We'll put links to the show notes so you can check yes, out so the tour. So she's going to tear the house down. We have Frost right here. Frost, He's we got a song Kansas with Frost. City. Kansas he City? has okay. a beautiful tone, a beautiful vibe, and I love his story and his experience in life. Okay. So he's going to tear it down. All right, for Believe we got by Frost And here. we got my big bro right here, The Trap. And why we call him the trap? Because once you hear his music, you ain't gonna want to come out of that. <laughs> Believe that. You get trapped into that tune, right. you know? And yeah. he's from Nickerson Gardens. He's from Watts, California. All the way in the, in the, where we at? In the Midwest now? We've been so many places, I don't even know where we at no more. Then we have Show Gutter. And we call him 
It's silent. Yeah. He the silent attacker because when he grabbed the microphone, he got a story to tell. He's got the best yes, coat going on. Yes, he gave me the story to tell. Oh yeah, thank oh, you, thank you. Know, oh, this is my clothing line at Forty Eight Two. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, clothing on all aspects. You guys have a, lots of stuff going on. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad coming live straight from Compton, California, with Auntie, as I call her. You know. Uh-huh. On this Don't Count Us Out tour. What do you have? You have posters here? This for my, my bro. Oh. So wait, so step up to the mic. You're, you're like over. streaming for two people, yeah. but yeah, you we, gotta we, we get your turn at the mic. My name is G-Man, straight from uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. There you go. We out here in Salt Lake City, Don't Count Me Out tour. Don't Count Me Big Out Big shout out to Shells, man, fighting this cancer. Shout out to everybody in the building. Shout, shout out to uh, uh, KRCO radio station. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so, so Joseph, before we play a little bit more of this and yes, ask ma'am. Frost about this belief song, yes, you, a portion of the tour is going to, to cancer, yes, and, and, and Shelly had to actually go to the hospital today to yeah. get a little more care while you're here. Huntsman, yeah. hopefully, setting you, setting, treating you well. Yeah, actually, I love Salt Lake City, to be honest with you. Every, everybody's always been so wonderful here every time I've been here, so I'm happy to be here, and I can't wait to mingle with uh everybody because they've been wonderful to me the doctors were great they all listened to the music it was a wonderful time well let's uh we'll put details in the show notes folks check out the don't count me out tour thursday night liquid joe's liquidjoes.net a portion of the door goes to cancer fighting cancer and we're gonna go out with this song here from frost what's this about frost it's called believe tell us about it I believe it's about finding that inner peace within yourself. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, you got to believe in yourself because you can't expect other people to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself to begin with. Yeah. And no matter what, it's, it's, it's the belief to fight through and overcome all challenges. Yes. Now, I'm an independent artist from the Midwest. I don't have any backing. I don't have any of that. And have the, the belief in me. And then that's when I had met Shelly. Yeah. Shelly helped me understand I gotta have more belief in myself and you know that turned into making believe you know this was for um, a 10 year old named Brody out in uh, Blue Springs Missouri and at the same time Shelly was fighting her cancer so I made this for both of them saying hey you gotta believe in yourself or you can't expect other people to you are the strongest yeah. message of strength mm. Every day, every day I look at Shelly, every day I see see her, hear her voice, yeah. it reminds me that nothing I'm going through can stop me if she's still able to fight this. Dying every day, she's yes. still out fighting for us, for yes, the ones that man. she loves and anybody else. Man. Salt Lake Ogden Provo. Thank you, I love you, man. Man. I love all y'all. That was beautiful, bro. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, man, it, that, I, I, I have to say, man, that brought yep. tears to my eyes, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, Get on that mic. Because, you know, like, you know, we out here fighting, you know, uh-huh. trying to make it happen, trying to win that life, you know. And you've got books, too. I want to mention just yeah, a little um, bit briefly about your hey, story as you're you grab my book for serving me real quick? as a, kind of the spokesperson for the Don't Count Me Out tour. Well, I kind of, I think, I think God ordained me to do that. You know, yeah. that was never my intentions you mm-hmm. know i just believed in these brothers and sisters um when i met them you're telling me a bit of your story as we were waiting for the show to start yeah, and uh, from where you went to where you are now yeah. what do you attribute that to <laughs> i contribute that to real people yeah see if i could believe in something and i could show them that i got a recipe mm-hmm. and they got a recipe yeah. then together we could show everybody can't nobody stop us can't nobody this stop is us. the underdog story y'all 
not this sure is where your books doing. went, but I'll put a link There's to them. There's one out there. Can, in hey, can you, when y'all grab my book for me real quick? Actually, the name of my book is yeah. from the sandbox to the cell block. Yeah. A story of struggle, oppression, struggle, and redemption. I was incarcerated for 22 years of my life. Um, I came home, became a professional speaker. Um, got my CC from Toastmasters International. I'm a part of the Les Brown Platinum Award-winning group, as well as Kareem R. LSGPS, my success, who is my mentor, coach, and teacher at this particular moment, yeah. who gave me the uh, tools that I would need to be able to enhance my nation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what we out here doing. We're pushing the narrative. We ain't letting nobody tell a story for us. We out. gonna tell a story. That's right. That's right. Thank you all for coming in. I wish I could spend the whole hour with you. Got something more to add, though, Frost? So yeah, I just want to remind everybody tomorrow at Wing Nuts in Taylorsville. We're going to have a meet and greet. You come out. You can check out all the artists. We have some merchandise. What time are you going to be there? Um, it's going to be from 7 to 9. Yep. Okay. 7 to 9. I'll be 55 78 South Redwood Road. Okay. So, yeah, we got T-shirts. We have flyers. We have keychains. And some beautiful people. And talent. Beautiful. And souls. <laughs> but let me shout out, if I can, real quick. Yeah, Shelly. Um, shout out to G&G, Rich Mindset, Chris Shell's Management. Uh, Il One Clothing Line, Skyo, and um, Cool Boy. We definitely want to give a shout out to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate you all and love all you all. Uh, Brick Squad Mafia 1017, OG Mac Drama. We love you. Thank you for your support, too. Well, thank you all for coming in and sharing some of what's going on with the Don't Count Me Out tour. Again, folks, put uh, the notes, show notes tonight, and don't forget Wing Nuts. Oh. And that's tomorrow night. And if you want to donate, you can actually cash app to uh, Money Symbol. DCMO22. That's also our hashtag if you want to follow the hashtag DCMO22, guys. We're going out with a little bit of Believe by Frost on KRCL 90.9. Gotta believe in yourself. If you don't, then nobody will do it. Take some improving, keeping it moving. When you make it, that's when you can prove it. I'm not a cop, but I'm steady pursuing the things that I want. Like they got a warrant. Flow like a wave, but you can surf it. My flow got volume, just like a current. Smoke it till my vision blurry. When I'm stressing it, take away worries. Brainstorm, feel like blizzards and flurries. In the game, though, I feel like I'm curry. I ain't got time for bullying. A message to kids that's going to school. If you see somebody making fun of somebody because they different, it don't make you cool. Till my supporters in wheelchairs, I slow down on my journey and push. Not for the look. Because when I was down, starting over, that was all that it took. Simply a push in the right direction. Hopefully, you get the message. Got you thinking now so many questions. If it's about chasing your dream, you guess it. Gotta and that's Believe by Frost. Check tonight's show notes for more details to check out the Don't Count Me Out tour. They're visited Wingnuts this week as well. Passing Strange is in its last week on stage at Salt Lake Acting Company, a 2008 Tony Award and Drama Desk winner. Passing Strange transcends theatrical genres, follows a black artist simply referred to as the youth around the world on a bohemian journey of self-discovery. Well, I was lucky enough to talk with Lee Palmer, the actor who plays the narrator in Passing Strange, and here's that conversation. You play the narrator in Passing Strange, now on stage at Salt Lake Acting Company. I had a chance to see it recently. I loved it. <laughs> I think I fell in love with everybody in the cast. And that's, that's important, because yeah. it, it is definitely a, a, an ensemble piece. At the heart of it all, what would you say, Passing Strange? is about for the uninitiated? Uh, it's a telling of, of a, a coming of age story. It's a, it's a human being story. Uh, a young man trying to figure his own way out through the world uh, as a musician, as an artist, trying to find himself. And so he goes on a journey. And his journey not only includes the church that he's a part of in the community in, the, uh, in South Central LA, but he feels that there's more out there to see. 
And he's heard from his mentor that you have to go to Europe to find out. And so he goes on an adventure to Europe. I found it a very American story. And then the layering of race, the entire cast is, is black. And in Utah, in the heart of Mormondom, there's all sorts of stuff going on in my brain while I watched it. But I was kind of curious about your take about being on stage here in Utah in Passing Strange. Oh, I'm an actor, so being on stage is just what I do. Mm -hmm. um, and just happen to be in Utah. I saw this show probably a few years ago. Um, um, Spike Lee did a, uh, the closing night. He filmed it. Something in Spike, and I had the opportunity to work with him. But he's a brilliant man. But something in him said, people need to see this show. And it was closing night. And so he brought in cameras and he filmed it on stage in its entirety. So I saw it a few years back and I said, I have to do this show. And it was developed at Sundance, I that's believe, in the I, lab. That, that's what I found out by being here in Utah. And now it's come full circle. And, and again, it, it's a quintessential American story about that coming of age, about maturing as a, an adult in America. And I was thinking of Forrest Gump for some reason at the time because it's a story that I'm used to seeing on screen with white America. Okay. The whole cast is black. So it brings in this conversation. And at the same time, I felt like it was a leveling of the playing field in a way about the story, that this is a universal story. What do you think? Uh, oh. it's, it, is a it is a universal story. Mm -hmm. um, in, say in saying that, it's like we are all human beings. We all go through the same thing. And what Passing Strange shows is that this could be anybody. Yeah. You know, um, it's a it's a it's a look in on one individual in the black community, but as a theatrical piece, it gives the opportunity for a cast of of as you said African Americans to play different characters. I mean, the cast doubles up. They play children. They play adults in the uh, uh, black church in South Central. They play. Uh, East Berliners, they play, you know, um, people from Amsterdam. I mean, this is including accents, including the bodies changing, including costume changing. But these people play, these wonderful actors play all kinds of people. And what you do as an audience member is experience a show that not only accentuates the, the enormous human beingness of it, but you see actors be able to transform and take you along these rides. I mean, the, the, the scenery doesn't change. And it's just right there. But through the storytelling, you're in Amsterdam. You're in East Berlin. You feel it just by the way we set things up on the, on the set. So I would encourage everybody. Yes, job. please. And we'll tell you how to go and see this. I That's went and saw right. it on a Sunday matinee, which is my favorite time to go see. That's a good time. It is. It's really good. And I loved all the staging and the, the like you said, the costumes that take you to the different places that the cast takes you. But the music and the songs. There's a lot of them. What's your favorite? <laughs> I think my favorite is the, the ending song. Yeah. Yes, it's a beautiful song, but also it means that the two hours of me being on stage and nonstop not leaving the <laughs> stage, it means I'm done. Because yeah. once, like I, I've described it as once the train leaves the station, there's no getting off. Mm -mm. And as the narrator, I don't really leave the stage. I think I leave the stage at intermission. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I do a, a cross where I, I go off stage and I come right back on. Yeah. So as the narrator, I'm there. And I've got the best seat in the house. And I get to see 
the story every night. I get to see the small changes. I get to see the actors finding different moments. I get to experience those moments myself as an actor. And it's just, it's just one of those pieces that should still be playing all across America. And hopefully, it'll get a chance to kind of tour so people around America. But again, th thank God that uh, uh, um, Spike Lee filmed it. Mm -hmm. But each interpretation is going to be different. And I think ours is quite different from what was seen, even though the music is the same. And Stu and Heidi wrote Road Wall, right? It's, that's correct. Um, they wrote something that just... It's poetic. It, mm -hmm. The songs go from from uh, gospel to rock and roll, blues, beautiful ballads, um, the 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 beautiful language that they wrote. It's just it's just a, a piece. I think that will, will is destined to be classic. We're talking with actor Lee Palmer about Passing Strange now on stage at Salt Lake Acting Company. One of my favorite things about your role. And I love that the other universal part of it is the way you're narrator. You're not mm -hmm. narrator Bob or anything like that. Right. You're there. And you're talking to the audience literally the whole time. That's correct. I mean, it's part of our, our, you know, our heritage is to share our history through storytelling. And I think uh, Stu and Heidi have encapsulated that in this piece. It is a brilliant way of storytelling through music, through movement, through the, the, the lines that he's written, the stories that he's written, and it's universal. Yeah. That's what's so beautiful about it. There's a line that the main youth who's, who's going through this experience says at a certain point about wearing his skin like a gown. Mm. I mean, that one has just stayed with me the whole time. Yeah, it's all about talking about experiencing life and getting to know your own self and being comfortable in your own skin, in your own body. And I think every human being has gone through that. I'm guessing you as well. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, I, I've gotten to a point in life, I mean, I've been in this business a long time, and to, to have a gray beard, every morning, every morning I wake up and see it, and I go, wow, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. The hair on top of my head left, <laughs> but the hair on my face got really kind of distinguished, and I'm like, yeah, I can deal with this. Is there a moment or two in the in Passing Strange that you really identified with or that just sticks with you night after night? Well, that would be giving it away. Okay. But there are moments that remind me of family. And being on the road, it makes me miss family. But there are people in my life that have gone on to the other side. And at times in the play, it makes me go, wow, thank you for being here and giving me an opportunity to be able to tell stories like this because of what they went through. I'm able to make a living as an actor. I'm able to do the things that I love to do because they worked hard, went through the hard part, and said, here, I'll hand it off to you. And as I do that, with, I've done with my children and I've done with my grandchildren, it's kind of a, it, 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 it makes it kind of nice to get older. You go, wow, I think I was here for some reason, yeah. especially when like, I was making jewelry with my grandchild just recently, and just having her look at me and tell me stories and go, that's where it starts. Yeah. That's where it starts, you know, the, the storytelling and, and playing. That's that's where we keep our history going. You know, with COVID, it's it's now rare to get into the theater, and uh, hopefully this is coming back, and folks listening to this, check the show notes. We'll put links to get the tickets. So stick around for details. But um, I forgot the catharsis I have when I go to the theater. Mm -hmm. You get to have that from the best seat in the house every every night. 
but I'm guessing that's part of what you get from the audience too is you you can feel them coming along on this ride with you and what it means especially given the difficulties of the world right now yes and I think we all we we needed a break we needed to be around each other and it's kind of nice to come back after the couple of years we've had off it's nice to come back telling stories and saying to people hey remember we're all human beings hey remember we all have gone through some of this kind of stuff hey do you remember sitting next to somebody and laughing out loud oh remember how fun that is when we all laugh together or remember when we all kind of take that trip and I'm fighting back tears, but the person next to me is crying. Oh, wow. Remember that sharing thing called theater and being part of an audience? Yeah, it's kind of nice to be back. Well, can we close with maybe a lyric or two that you really like from the whole book that you, you have the opportunity to do every night? You mean from this show? Yeah, right? uh, from this show. <laughs> I think, uh, let me see, let's see. Uh, there's so many, but I think one of my favorites, you don't know me and I don't know you. So let's cut to the chase. The name is Stu. And I'll be narrating this gig, so just sit tight. We might be we might play all night. And that's all you're gonna get from me. I think it's the only time you say your name or anybody calls you by name in the entire thing. I forgot there was Stu. That's me. That's <laughs> it. Joshua Black, it's just a handful of days left to see Passing Strange. How can people get tickets and uh, book their time? Yes, through Sunday, May 15th only. You can visit saltlakeactingcompany.org or call 801-363-7522. And that's Joshua Black from Salt Lake Acting Company who arranged that interview for me with Lee Palmer from Passing Strange. And I've got tickets to give away. I'm going to do it afterward when I post the show online. And uh, check our Twitter and check our Facebook, and I will uh, award some tickets that way. Do check it out. More links in the show notes tonight. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Under the Banner of Heaven with our guests here on KRCL. Volunteers are needed for this year's Living Traditions Festival, May 20th through 22nd at Library Square in Salt Lake City. Help with artists, beverage sales, bocce ball, greeters, kids area, production, school day, and more. For details, email volunteer at saltlakearts.org. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Loves Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. Heavenly Father, we ask that we might be instruments in thy hand to fix what we find broken. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. A woman and her 15-month-old child were murdered in their home. We are asking the public for their help. We aren't a community that usually locks its doors. So, for now, we feel it's prudent to err on the side of caution. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. I don't go digging in the past. And neither should you. From the first moment anyone set eyes on her, 
They were hooked. An evil presence is in his family. What if this case isn't just a husband who turned against his wife? What if tonight is just the first edge of a bone? Finally working its way out of our own desert's floor. Heads up right now! This goes beyond just a murder. Beyond everything, I believe. And that is the trailer to Under the Banner of Heaven, the FX series now exclusively on Hulu. I'm Laura Jones, and you're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. Joining me now in the studio, we have Autumn Satcher, our red carpet correspondent. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well. We're going to get some some tape that you had to share with us uh, with lead actor Andrew Garfield. We also have uh, Troy Williams, formerly of Radioactive. So good to be back. And creative consultant. Is that the technical title yes, on the series? Something like that. Yeah. And then also you brought in with you uh, Lindsay Hansen Park. Thank you for being here. Another consultant on the project. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And also you are the executive director of Sunstone Education Symposium uh, Foundation, the symposium coming up in late July. That's right. Hopefully we can get some details out about that. And then you are also the host of the podcast Year of Polygamy. So this is something that has been your focus for a long time, this history of the saints, but you're no longer active, correct? Uh, I'm no longer active, but I say I'm very active in the Mormon movement. So mm-hmm. I identify as Mormon, a cultural Mormon, and of course I use the term Mormon not to be offensive, but to as an umbrella term for yeah. all of the different movements. I'm right there with you. I think that's a pretty good description for my uh, background as well. Troy Williams of Equality Utah, we all know you were raised by Gail Rizika. That's correct. She <laughs> taught me everything I know. Went on a mission for the LDS Church, that's right. no longer active. That's right. And I want to get into the backgrounds of folks who, who consulted on this and then some of the criticism, but I want to start with Andrew Garfield and Autumn Thatcher. <laughs> you went to the red carpet. How was it? I did go to the red carpet. At the Broadway? Yes, and it was so fun to be on the red carpet in person again after a couple of years of virtual red carpeting. Um, But yeah, it was was really great to talk to Andrew. I got to talk to um, Lindsay and Troy as well as Dustin Lance Black. And it was, I got some really um, great quotes and had some really inspiring moments on the red carpet. In fact, at one point, Dustin Lance Black kind of teared up as he was talking about um, his experiences growing up and it was just it was and then Lindsay and I had some great moments on the red carpet and I just wanted to keep asking her questions and Mm. going deep into like theories and philosophies and you know there's only so much time that we had <laughs> oh yeah that goes fast well we we're gonna scope all the interviews that autumn did and put them in the show notes tonight but we're gonna share what we have with andrew garfield who plays the lead character jeb pyrie am i saying that right because right. it's yes. spelled spelled like funeral pyre and i'm curious pyrie. if that was uh, <laughs> intentional but um here we go andrew garfield on the red carpet with Autumn Thatcher. Here in Utah, obviously, you probably, if you've read any of the recent articles that have been posted, uh, there's a lot of discussion about the representation of the LDS Church versus the fundamentalist. And I've talked a lot about with um, other um, members of this project about the lines, uh, you know, whether they're blurred between modern LDS and fundamentalist. Um, the sense is that there's a very clear distinction. So I think, what would you say to that, firstly, 
and secondly, I, I'm really interested in knowing where, what would you say is like at the heart of the story that viewers should pay attention to and not get distracted by religion? Sorry, that was an incredibly long question. I can re-ask a shorter one. That's okay. That's all the time we have. I, um, <laughs> I had to work through my question no, after talking to Lance. No, I understand, yeah. Um, I think Lance has done a pretty great job in distinguishing between the different versions of what it is to be an LDS person. Um, and I, uh, I that, that's something that he's much more kind of uh, expert at than any of us. So, so for me, it was making sure that I was playing someone who was a modern LDS man that, you know, maybe wasn't um, as kind of affected by the more patriarchal kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, structure that the LDS faith. You know, I have, my wife is a strong woman, and I'm in a, a family of women, and I'm the only male. I, I, I feel like he's just a sensitive, modern guy. Um, which I, and I've met a, a lot of those um, LDS men. Um, I think thematically, gosh, there are so many things, and that's why I love this book, and I love this the series that, that Lance has created, and why I was so excited to be a part of it, is because it is so rich in theme. Um, I think it is about the, the pull towards extremism, fundamentalism, certainty, as a feeling of safety to ward off insecurity, to ward off inadequacies, to ward off the sense of um, impotence, disempowerment. I think especially for, for men in our particular culture um, who have been kind of uh, raised to believe uh, their, their own sense of entitlement, uh, which can, which, which obviously in the case of, of this extreme story of Dan and, and Ron Lafferty kind of led to a, a version of a God complex, a version of a kind of psychological break really where they believed that they could fully hear the, the voice of God and it was telling them to kill. And uh, I, I think that to look at what draws us, what, what are the steps that lead us towards more fundamentalist, extremist kind of practices and organizations, I think that's a really worthy and important thing to look at. Um, I also think it's vital that we look at how women are treated in patriarchal structures. Um, I think it's important to look at how, from, from my character's perspective, how do you honor the truth above all else? How do you honor, um, you know, your duty to uh, the, this horrible loss and, and, and how that interacts with your duty to your, your church, your family, your own personal desires, which for my character is, I want to hold on to my community, I don't want to be exiled, but by pursuing the truth, I might be, so where, where does that lead? Anyway, I, th I, think, it's a, I think it's kind of rich, rich, rich series. Uh, for your character, how does, how does your character reconcile? I don't think he does. I think it's it's a constant agonizing balance and uh, I don't know. It's good drama, you know. It's um, 
but I think ultimately a man like the like Jeb, the character I play, who is ethically kind of evolved and has a, a sense of inner ethic and di and dignity and integrity, just naturally gets to the point where he realizes he has to sacrifice the personal for, for the for the greater thing. Meaning he has to he has to be willing to risk letting go of the material things of his life in order for the larger spiritual thing which is the truth um, so that's where I think he ends up having to get to just just shit just merely by you know being be, being present in his life he can't he has no choice because of what his heart knows I think and um, there's there's been a lot of different points made tonight like in the questions that I've been asking conversations I've had about um, being careful not to exploit and take it away from uh, exploit the stories of some people and not take not uh, taking away from the fact that at the heart of it a woman and her child were killed. Yeah. And how how did you all as a as a production cast? I mean, how did you walk that? Well, I think that was the north. That was the north star. I think that was the thing that we always had to keep at the forefront of our consciousness, leading us on how we tell the story. Like it was all really led by the honoring the memory of Brenda Wright Lafferty and Erica Wright Lafferty, and, and everything else becomes secondary to making sure that we are honoring honoring that. Um, and then everything becomes quite simple off of that, you know. Once you have a North Star that is so precise and so vital and so righteous, you kind of can't go wrong, you know. And uh, last question for you, if this were to prompt, what I guess, what sort of action do you hope that this might prompt for those of engaging in the, in the miniseries you're watching? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about action, but I, but I, but I hope it... It does something to people's consciousness. I, I hope it's expansive um, for people's consciousness. Uh, in terms of action, I, I wouldn't be able to comment on that, but I do think it's a, it's illuminating for um, you know expanding expanding our understanding of uh, and maybe looking deeper into the to, to the wound of a culture, to the wound of a, a, an organization. And, you know, and, until we re until we really reconcile and deal with the wounds of the past and the sins of the past, whether we're, whether we're talking about a religion or whether we're talking about a family system or whether we're talking about an entire country or a culture, you know, it's very heartening to know, for example, that in all German schools they teach the Holocaust. You know, whereas we're in a debate in our country about whether or not we look at slavery as, as something that's still is percolating and influencing how we all interact um, on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. I think that's where the harm is when you don't actually deal with that old, old wound. So I think, I, I, I would hope by, dealing, by stepping into the wound we find here. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Andrew Garfield, who stars as Detective Jeb Pyrie in FX original series, Under the Banner of Heaven, exclusively on Hulu. I'm Laura Jones, and in studio we have creative consultants for the series Troy Williams and Lindsay Hansen-Park and Autumn Thatcher, our red carpet correspondent. And I just wanted to come to you really quickly. Great interview. Thank you for getting that for us. I just kind of threw that out and hoped you could, could make it, and it worked out. But you had some things you wanted to add 
from the Q&A that happened after the screening. So um, I'm kind of curious about where are they now, so to speak, and you had a comment about that. Yeah, so and after the screening, we did a Q&A, and um, Dustin Lance Black uh, told the audience that he had actually gone to Draper, vis- uh, Draper Prison and interviewed, is it? Dan Lafferty. Dan Lafferty, Dan yeah, and he described the experience of going in to the prison and sitting across from him, and he said he had like the bluest eyes mm-hmm. that, and he was very alert and, but just completely, like I mean, proud of what he had done. Still, yeah. Still doesn't has no remorse for it because right. it, in his mind, called by God to commit these heinous acts. Yeah. And um, I, I want to talk about centering the, the story of Brenda Wright Lafferty and her daughter Erica, who are the victims in this whole story. And, and Troy and Lindsay, as consultants, I'm kind of curious how you worked to make sure that happened. Because um, I, a lot of the criticism that I'm reading, it's about things that I don't think matter. <laughs> so, right. um, and I've got a quote I want to play in a bit um, by Dustin Lance Black, your friend and the creator of the series. But tell me about being creative consultants and histor- his- historic accuracy, theological accuracy, and cultural accuracy. That's right, yeah. Well, I had um, my experience, I came off of my LDS mission and I was so scared to be gay that I joined the Utah Eagle Forum. Uh, back in the 90s, and Gail Rosica mentored me. And, and while working with the Eagle Forum, I met my very first uh, polygamist fundamentalist. Uh, they were independent, and they had all these issues that they had raised with me about things about our history that I, I didn't know. Um, the idea is that, that, that Adam in the Garden of Eden was actually our God that Brigham Young taught. Um, the ideas of polygamy, that Jesus Christ himself that was a polygamist, as was taught by early church leaders. And these were things that I had never heard before. And so I, I was confused, and I wanted to ask questions. Uh, and, of course, my, my bishop at the time, other, other members of my ward, didn't want me to ask those questions. Mm. But part of, 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 this, this, um, of, of, this, of this, this conservative movement at, at the time what was this... this um, obsession with conspiracies, with uh, the, with the New World Order, an obsession with the, the writings of Cleon Skousen and Ezra Taft Benson, who would soon become the, the prophet, uh, well, actually probably was the prophet, the John Birch Society, the, the, the Sovereign Citizens Movement, the, anti- Secret the anti-tax and groups, all the stuff that the Lafferty's were involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're all connected together, this obsession with conspiracies and this desire to return to an original interpretation of the Constitution as they perceived it and also to early church history and teachings it's ringing a bell isn't it Lindsay, with what we're going through in this country right now it seems like and against the backdrop of this leaked scotus draft ruling on abortion and i'm just kind of curious what you were bringing to this this production and what you wanted to make sure was right sure there's this whole question about representation right now and who gets to tell this story right it especially the criticism in utah is are you guys active? Do you guys go to church? And I said, well, Dan Lafferty went to church. Does he get to tell the story? Is that is that the factor? Mm. Because really, um, I am born and raised LDS, very devout my whole life, um, up until a few years ago when I started a podcast about the history of Mormon polygamy to current day. And now I interact with all kinds of Mormon fundamentalists and polygamists. But, you know, seven, six, seven generations back on both sides, Mormon, 
who it doesn't make us any less Mormon because yeah. we, you know, don't go to church or or don't attend. So I, I kind of take issue with with that critique. Who gets to tell this story? Anyone that has a relationship to Mormonism should tell it as long as you're telling it well. And we made sure that we had uh, active members. We had a sitting bishop who took Andrew Garfield to church. He mentored him. He talked with him. We had detectives who are active and faithful who worked on similar cases. We had Relief Society presence and current temple workers and lots of faithful Mormon historians helped. And then we had Mormon fundamentalists that helped as well. So I'm yeah. connected to this whole you know, Mormon diaspora and we've had so many people represented in this story and I, I feel really proud about that. There has been criticism, including the Deseret News editorializing, mm -hmm. and I don't even know that they'd seen it at that point, Troy, um, saying basically it doesn't represent Mormonism today. Well, we're not talking about Mormonism right. today in Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah, some people have said to me, I don't see myself in this kind of Mormonism, and, and to them I say, thank God. Yeah. Thank God that you didn't that you in, in your own personal life didn't get sucked down into this dark path of, of conspiracies and obsessions and doomsday's prophecies and and prepper the prepper culture and, and buying property in Manti and, and wanting to hide from the from the corrupt government um, or, or buying shares in the pace and dream mine which you, well spoiler alert you'll see this coming up that the Lafferty's got involved with there's this dream mine in pace and you can see it as you're driving Driving um, south on I-15 uh, in the East Mountains, where where Bishop Coyle uh, he was visited, I think by Moroni, back in the day, and he was told that in the the, the Payson Mountains um, that there was this ancient Nephite treasure. That, that when the last days came, uh, Payson would become the city of refuge for the saints, and that in this Nephite treasures would, would be unearthed from the mine. And this becomes a, a, a critical part of the Lafferty journey, mm -hmm. and, and you'll see it later on in ups upcoming episodes. So there was this obsession and this fear of the last days coming, and it is a part of mainstream Mormonism. And, you, and, and to say that it doesn't exist, mm. You know, I'm, I'm very, uh, you, you have the privilege of not being, being exposed to that. I'm grateful for you that you didn't have yeah. that. I did. I had a friend, now that you remind me of this story, who had a father severely mentally ill, would make them go up into the mountains and dig for this gold. Nephite treasure. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to play a quote from series creator Dustin Lance Black about whose story gets told or how it gets told when it comes to Under the Banner of Heaven. I was frankly a little surprised and disappointed by some of what I saw in the church's newspaper. Because I think, I think the church really needs to ask what kind of Mormons they're defending. Because the heroes of this show, Brenda Wright Lafferty, her entire family, Jeb Pyrie, Becca Pyrie, their kids, his beautiful mother, are all mainstream Mormons and they're the heroes of this show. If you're becoming defensive, you either haven't watched the show, I hope that's the case, because once you have, you realize what you're defending is the actions of two men who stepped into fundamentalism, murdered a 24-year-old woman, and nearly beheaded her baby child. Is that the kind of Mormon that the church and the, and the Deseret newspaper is standing up in defense of? I sure as heck hope not. Watch it carefully before you jump to defense, because you might regret what you come to defend. 
Dustin Lance Black, series creator of the latest incarnation of Under the Under the Banner of Heaven, from the red carpet with Autumn Thatcher. Thanks for for getting that tape. He was very I don't, passionate isn't the right word, but he t- took it very personally. The criticism it sounded like, didn't it? it did, yes. Um, that that article came out the morning of, or like just like eight hours before the red carpet event that evening, um, and so there was a lot of like. The, just the it was palpable like the energy and as the questions started coming from obviously the local media we're, we're all asking similar questions and um when dustin lance black gave me that quote i interviewed him right before i interviewed andrew garfield and by the time i was done talking to dustin lance black i was so just i had a loss for, for words and yeah. trying to recover before i could um get my question out to andrew garfield Ah, this brings up Mormon Twitter, Lindsay, <laughs> because all the hot takes before I even got to binge it my, myself and a, a lot of, you know, I, I frankly think people centering their experience rather than taking in the story and the, the nuanced uh, portrayals of different aspects of Mormonism at the time. Yeah, I think I think it's a very normal response for anyone that has a relationship with Mormonism to be triggered outright by the show. I've seen this with everyone, yeah. wherever they are in the you know faith game. And I would imagine very similar to Spotlight and the Catholic Church, right? Sure, yeah. And it, when you watch it, depending on your experience, it will trigger something in you and people will react. And then after a few days, they sort of settle. And I think once Mormons especially can watch the show and not try to figure out how much is right and wrong? Do they hold their hands the right way? Then they can sort of appreciate the show. There's a lot of the, about the hands. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of the, the the pious child hands, you know, in front is what I call them. Or, or the, what I was used to seeing in the painting of Joseph Smith in the Sacred Grove when he was 14 and asking of God which church is true. And so I kind of looked at that more as symbolism. Right. That's uh, the right there's, take. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of beautiful art that I had to learn because I come from the historical background. I podcast about history. That's primarily my focus is historical accuracy. And so to make some artistic concessions was really difficult for me. But I also learned how to tell stories in the process. Lance was very good at mentoring all of us. And so the prayer hands is one example of how you communicate Christian prayer to people in India, right, yeah. that don't even know what Christianity mm-hmm. is. Or, you know, what priesthood is. A lot of people, Mormons are mad that we didn't talk about, we call the brethren to church, not the elders quorum. People don't know what priesthood is around the world. Or congregation versus ward. Ward, There's different things you do to simplify to translate the Mormon experience to a broader audience. And that's what the website is for, where you can explain everything (laughs) (laughs) in in bigger detail. And and believe me, we brought up all these issues, and we we would have, you know, big debates over these little tiny issues. And for the most part, you know, Lance was really, we really took, you know, our our critiques and our our criticisms and adapted them and and integrated them. Remarkably. I mean, they spent so much work there was only one time when I stopped all of of the set on a on a scene that we haven't seen yet for something really minor but I knew Mormon historians would be very upset about and Lance had to come up on set and he said Lindsay does it change the narrative yeah and that was the question does this detail change the narrative and if it didn't then we kept it in I think it's probably the first time I've seen as much of the Mormon temple ceremony in something because I myself although raised LDS never went through the temple except for a baptism for the dead experience and so 
I've never seen that. Did you have any trepidation about those scenes? Did you have any calls that you were making saying, okay, we got to stop and do something here, get this right? I did. This was the hardest one for me to do, hands down, and we did a, a lot of challenging scenes. It's when Brenda and Dan are getting married. Yeah, Brenda it, and it's, Alan. She's getting Excuse out me, her Alan, endowment. Sorry. Yeah. And so uh, I'm an endowed member. The temple is still something that I hold as sacred, um, even though I don't attend church because you know, you hear me lose my faith on year of polygamy once I realize there are all these different Mormon sects. But the temple is still really hard for me. And so when I went there, I was just, it was very overwhelming. And I, w- I really appreciated all the respect that the cast and crew gave the entire thing. And I think that that comes mm-hmm. across. We, it's not a low blow. It's very germane to the story. And it, it is part of our history. Now, we no longer do the oath that, that you see in the scene. It was taken out in 1990, thank goodness. I didn't but have I to went take th- that. I, I took it, uh, which is... When which you is, went through before your mission. Yeah, yeah, and that if you ever reveal the, the signs or tokens that you would suffer your life to be taken, and you, you, you ritually put your thumb into your throat and you slide it across, and then you did it, do that with your waist to, to, to ritually or to symbolically disembowel yourself. So I had that experience. But what we, we were very careful with, what was so sacred to Latter-day Saints is, is the actual the name of the sign and the token and the actual symbol. And we actually don't show that in the, mm-hmm. in the episode. We were very careful to, to sort of move away from that because we knew that that was very sacred to Latter-day Saints. Interesting. We're talking about Under the Banner of Heaven. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, an FX series now streaming on Hulu. And I'm reminded when I was putting together all this, this information for tonight, Troy, Lindsay, and Autumn, the, the subtitle of John Krakauer's original book on which it is based came out in July 2003, Under the Banner of Heaven, A Story of Violent Faith. And I think that's one of the things that I've always struggled with in my own family history is um, the violence that seems to get glossed over when you go to church on Sunday. It's not the focus. Um, but fundamentalism and the LDS church and culture is your expertise. Um, what is it you want people to walk away from this, this series with or, or have perhaps having constructive conversations about because it's not happening on Twitter. I, sure. I think this show is an invitation and I because I have such a love for our culture and our people, it's every everyone that I lo- know and love is Mormon. This is a time for us to turn around and face this darkness. Now, everyone is offended that, you know, there's this thesis that Mormonism is inherently violent. I think the show talks more about fundamentalist patriarchy than fundamentalist polygamy or anything Mm. else when we associate Mm -hmm. with, you know, fundamentalists. Fundamentalist patriarchy is dangerous. I have lived under it. I have heard the stories of thousands of women whose stories are like Brenda's. And luckily for most of them, it didn't end violently, but for some it does. I mean, I could go through a list. We would run out of time on your show of all the violence that happens in Mormonism. Well, there's there's some unique things, I think, about the LDS church, and that's one of them is the uh, power of personal revelation, which when patriarchy is central to the religion as well, means there's a prophet in every uh, devout Mormon household. And I think that's part of how folks can get off on the fundamentalist path. I think that was the most shocking thing for me when I started on my journey of research and, you know, realizing just how common this is, how much, you know, the fundamentalists are around us. There's some in every ward or congregation around us and in every home, depending on how nice you are and how good your manners are, depends on how that patriarchy plays out. Well, and the funny scene, I don't think I'm given any way if I talk about this, (laughs) but when he pulls this priesthood card to um, say they're going to have to put off 
a certain <laughs> ceremony and his wife is furious and says just remember well, I, I don't want to spoil that joke, so I'm going to let people... Three. Episode 3, <laughs> folks. Go, that's the go invitation that yeah. I'm talking about, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that Lance wrote his character that way because we all think we're above it. I know yeah. a lot of ex-Mormons who are like, oh, I left the church, I'm so enlightened. It's like you haven't unpacked all of those things. I yeah. still haven't unpacked them. And to see yeah. Pyre struggle with the very critique that you know mm-hmm. he's investigating I think is really brilliant. Well, if you, you know have this get-out-of-marital-counseling-free card, if you play I'm the Priesthood Holder, and I've decided, and that uh, that brought some things up for me, I think, about <laughs> yeah. why I uh, am no longer active. So we have just a few minutes left, Troy, and I wanted to layer under the banner of heaven along with some other work that you do with Equality Utah and support mm. for the ERA, yeah. given what's going on with Roe v. Wade in our country yeah. and the general political climate um, the push from the far right really feels like the same conversation. Yeah, that's what I th- has been most disturbing for me. When In the 90s, when I was involved with Eagle Forum and, and had been exposed to all of these sovereign citizen groups and these anti-government groups, um, it was very much a fringe um, sort of expression. Um, and and perhaps these emerge more when there's a Democrat and president. I don't, as president, I don't know, but... But um, but now seeing the evolution from f- starting to grow and, and uh, like a virus uh, and and infecting our social media and our discourse. So, you know, now we have people who, who are elected leaders buying into wild conspiracy theories like QAnon. Everybody that was obsessed with the, with the New World Order in the 90s is now obsessed with QAnon. And they are actually now elected representatives in mm-hmm. Congress. And, and we're seeing this surge of right-wing populism who are obsessed with these conspiracies gaining more political power in the state legislature as well as good moderate Republicans are being ousted by, by a fringe right a conspiracy theorists. As I asked Lindsay, what do you hope folks walk away from watching this series unfold? Yeah, it's a conversation that I had very early on with Andrew Garfield, and he had t- gave gave me this quote from Carl Jung, which I thought was so beautiful. I asked him why he wanted to do this show because it was so dark and grim, and he said he quoted Jung, who's who said that you know we don't become enlightened by envisioning beings of light, we become enlightened by making the darkness conscious, hmm. and. I just think sometimes for us to heal the the wounds and the trauma of our culture that that, that fundamentalist patriarchy uh, creates, we have to be willing to shine light into the shadows to dispel them and to actually heal. So I hope that the, that the, this show, everyone who texts me every episode that drops, they're they're saying this show is triggering me. Well, that where that's where the wound is. That's where the healing needs to begin. Troy Williams and Lindsay Hanson Park. Thank you so much for coming down. Autumn Thatcher for doing the red carpet. I appreciate everybody. Uh, we have 60 seconds. What's coming up in the next episodes, Troy? I, I cannot say, but oh. new episodes do drop at 10 p.m. Uh, uh, Mountain Time on, on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. So. Four and six are my favorites, so four's coming up next. That's four right. Four and six. We just barely scratched the surface, and I invite you back anytime, all three of you. Thank yes. you so Thank much. You. Thank you. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for tuning in. Questions, comments, suggestions, all you got to do is email email radioactive at krcl.org you can find this show online under the community affairs tab last two weeks of any show listen on demand under the programs tab all right what's coming up tomorrow night on radioactive Rashawn leak is community co-host and he's going to do a panel on cannabis in zion also on the show wednesday night the a's and b's of our inland sea and on the line a story of class solidarity and two women's epic fight to build a union 
Radioactive only on KRCL. KRCL, Salt Lake City. KRCL is so grateful to Wasatch Noise Works, Bighorn Roofing, and Ruin SLC for issuing challenge grants during our spring radiothon. And we'd also like to thank our listeners for supporting Utah businesses as well.